Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to another edition of the AI Premier League Preview Pod. On tonight's show, we cover fallout from that Spurs draw and look ahead to Sunday's game with Southampton. But joining me tonight are AI writer Ash Hebbs and editor of Southampton fan site Fresh Saints, it's Aidan Small. Evening, guys. Evening, Harry. Evening, Harry. Good to speak to you both. I mean, it's, um, it's a freezing night here. Uh, I'm based here in London. I'm sure it's freezing where you guys are as well. But um, uh, on the sort of topics tonight, I just wanted to get a real good insight into how Southampton's season is going. Of course, plenty to talk mm-hmm. about with Van Dijk and, of course, um, some of the other players who actually are, have made their made their way from Southampton to Liverpool over the years. But um, first and foremost, just want to get an insight on your season itself, Aidan. So, um, thoughts on sort of recent performances? I know it's been a tough it's been a tough period for you guys. I was I was, I was looking at sort of the fixtures, and um, mm-hmm. of course there have been some positive ones in in recent weeks um, in terms of some wins in the cups, and uh, and then of course. Uh, that win over West Brom, which was I actually couldn't believe it looking at it, but your your first win since since November. I mean, can you just give us your thoughts on recent performances and um, was that first win there in in the league since November deserved and and, and coming or do you think that's an uh, sort of an anomaly? Uh, I would definitely say that in that result in particular was deserved, um, but. I would say, ah, oh, it's, it's a horrible one, Harry. We've, uh, we've been through a dark time at the moment. Uh, we went 12 league games without a win. Um, and it was mind numbing. I've got to be honest with you. Um, we've been let down, I think, tactically a lot this season, uh, with numerous team selections, uh, being overly negative. Um, and I think last weekend, that was one of the first lineups that's been posted in a long while that all, all of the fans got behind the moment it was released. Everyone saw that and they thought, okay, we, we're looking to play a little more on the front foot. This is positive. This is what Southampton like to do. Um, and, and lo and behold, we end up winning and scoring three goals. It's a crazy thing. Eh? You know, you don't start Shane Long and you, you actually have a chance of finding the back of the net. Um, I think it was a deserved result. Um, definitely. Um, I wouldn't particularly say it's been overdue, though. Uh, I honestly couldn't be serious with you and say that over that 12 league games, we deserved one particular result maybe one here and there I guess the Watford result where we were robbed last minute with the uh the Corey handball um but you know that's one of those at the end of the day we we gave the officials a, a decision to make uh and and a, a team that wants to be secure at the back uh shouldn't even allow them that opportunity uh and, and in the rut that we were in that's one of those things where you're kind of saying well we, we've brought this on ourselves um but no it's it last weekend it's it's a big lift for the club Obviously, the first win in 12, as said, um, and the performance was so much more to what we know, so much more to a Southampton identity. Um, it certainly wasn't perfect, uh, but it's a step in the in the right direction compared to recent performances. And in terms of that performance, obviously, a bit more 
of an attacking lineup there from Pellegrino. I mean, what do you think persuaded him? I mean, aside from sort of the run that you've been on, I mean, what do you think's behind his or been behind his caution in terms of the lineups he's been fielding and the tactical choices he's been making, and and and, and what do you think made him, uh, you know, take off the shackles, so to speak? I think for a while now he he's kind of been suited in his own ways. I think he's come over here thinking he can do things in his negative way. He's when he joined, we were told that he's he's paranoid of losing, uh, and we've come to find out they really were not kidding in the sense that he'll do anything just to stop losing uh, and little to start winning. But as pressures kind of come onto him, uh, as each week's passed, um, I think more journalists now are particularly beginning to pressure him. Let him know the fans' opinions. Obviously, he'll be well aware himself. Um, and there's been talks that you know he's he's been late night after games talking to the board uh, in a number of cases. So I think pressures maybe forced him into taking a more positive approach, um, a more positive lineup, knowing full well that if you know he doesn't grab a win or or show some attacking football in the next ninety minutes, that he he could be sent with his bags packing. Um, I'm just hoping that maybe this is the wake up um, that. He's seen that perhaps the fans were kind of knew what they were going on about um, and, and that he needs to now kind of embrace this and build upon it um, because this is, this is a big step for him now. Uh, we, we've possibly gone on the, the most embarrassing kind of unbeaten run where we've just beaten some championship sides, Watford in the cup, um, and then, then, then one other win there. Um, it, it's not particularly thrilling. Uh, but it's a, it's a building block. Um, and at the end of the day, we can say unbeaten in six. Um, it's something to work from. And we also got the Tottenham draw. Um, so, you know, that's that's a big encouragement for the players and the kind of boost you you need at this time of the season, especially with the way the uh, bottom half of the table is at the minute. It's an absolute stay. I mean, two game weeks, one week you can think you're sitting pretty intense and the next year you're, you're rock bottom, you know, right next to to West Brom. It's It's, it's ridiculous. Especially as the way that the, the teams are, you know, with managerial changes and January windows just gone, so the amount of teams and positions that are changing at the minute, it's it's we're going up and down and all over the place. Everyone's having a little switch. No, yeah, and we'll come on to talk about that window, obviously, and some of the the business done, and perhaps what should have been done if 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 more needs to be done, etc. But um, I mean, you mentioned the adaptation there that seems to have been forced through sort of pressure from the media from the board no doubt to the, the the need to get results um i sort of want to ask a little bit about just um i mean i'm not sure if we if we spoke too much in depth about Puel last season and sort of the perception of him from the fan base as to you know perhaps not the most inspiring um mm. but um you know definitely a manager with a pedigree i mean i i don't want to spend too long on it but what are sort of fans perceptions of 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 Pellegrino so far um, and I mean, is it fair to say fans' perceptions of of what the, what you guys had with Puel have have changed? I think I've got to be honest with you. I think the the Puel situation is a weird old one because we he obviously you know on the paper he got the cup final and, and the eighth place in the league and you know so many will say how can you possibly sack a manager after that? But I will tell you now that football was so painfully boring and there's more to football than that. There's more to life than that. Um, and I'm, I'm so thankful, you know, for, for what Puel done. He was an honest man. No fans, I don't think, ever particularly got nasty with Puel. It just never quite matched up. Um, and at that point, the board made a, a big statement about Pellegrino being the man to bring high intensity attacking football. Um, and that's quite simply been a lie. It's one of those situations, I think, where it's not particularly just because it's gone wrong with Pellegrino 
doesn't mean you had to stick with Puel. Um, I think it was one of those where the decision to maybe wave goodbye to Puel was best for all parties. I don't think we had the squad match for him. I don't think it was it was just fitting in our philosophy. Um, but I think we got perhaps the recruitment wrong. Um, time will tell with Pellegrino. Uh, but the majority of fans at this moment in time are still very much considering wanting him out. Um, the, the results that we picked up this season, the only wins have been against depleted sides, um, sides in struggling form and those down low in the table. Um, ah, it's, 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 it's not particularly convincing fans. We need, we need a strong run of form to truly get behind Pellegrino. At the minute, I feel like the fans have just decided to turn their attentions away from Pellegrino, resigned to the fact that maybe the board don't want him gone just yet. And we have little say in terms of that. Um, and that we're kind of just getting behind the team at the minute, uh, kind of going about this as a, a managerless feeling. Um, just knowing that this is at the end of the day, our Premier League safety is, is the thing in jeopardy here. So we can't afford to be creating a toxic atmosphere week in, week out, um, applying too much pressure in those aspects. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we don't want to be throwing that onto our players. And, and this is not something we can really be kidding around playing with. I mean, you only need a poor run of form at the end of the season when other teams begin to pick up and, and sooner or later you find yourself right in the mix. No, certainly. I mean, you mentioned the team there and sort of getting behind the players that you are, that you do have. I mean, Pellegrino, when you were sort of alluding to sort of weird tactical decisions earlier on, or perhaps more conservative tactical, tactical decisions, was that purely just based around the, the sort of the shape he had you playing? Or, I mean, was it perhaps the sort of the, not refusal, but the decision not to play certain players? I mean, you mentioned Shane Long there. Obviously, he's been on a very long barren spell. I know, he, I know he broke that not long ago, but mm. it hasn't exactly floodgates open since then, has it? So, no. um, has it been sort of the decision to play players who are out of form clearly, or was it more in terms of the shape and the approach that you've seen that I would say yourself put in? I would say very much both. I would say both have played their parts. Uh, most recent fixture that springs to mind for me was against Brighton at home. Um, and that was before our last game out, um, where we finally picked up a win at West Brom. Um, and that realistically, a lot of fans were thinking that if we'd lost that game against Brighton, you know, Pellegrino, he would be gone that night. Um, and bear that in mind, he started Shane Long up top. Um, he dropped Mario Lamina, who I personally think now in our squad is probably our best player. And he decided not to start Sofia and Bafal, who is the, the attacking heartbeat in our side. If we're going to create anything, something special or some magic is going to come from anyone, uh, it's going to be from Sofia and Bafal. So in a single fixture there, we've started a striker who scored one in 34. Uh, we, we've gone for Stephen Davis in midfield, who I absolutely adore. But I don't think playing against Brighton in a deep block, that's particularly his game. You want players that can take their man on, players that work in tight areas. So for players like Gabby Adini, Bafal Lamina to be dropped in a game against Brighton, who are clearly going to come to St. Mary's, clearly going to be more than happy to sit deep with a bank of four and a bank of five in midfield, pack out the midfield, and yet he still manages to pick a defensive team out of fear of what Brighton are going to do to us on the counter-attack. And in years gone by, that would have been unheard of for Saints to have to worry about Brighton coming to ours and doing the damage. We should be focused on... A lot of fans feel that we should be focused on what we're going to do to them, how we're going to tear them apart, rather than playing in constant fear of how they're going to suddenly spring back onto us and how they're going to counter us. And in terms of players who perhaps haven't, I mean, obviously Shane Long, I think prior to this season, people, or maybe not prior to this season, but um, if, if we look back longer over his career, 
um, and in, in terms of sort of the reliability that people used to associate with him. I mean, have there been certain players you feel who who have let you down this season? You mentioned Buffal there being an attacking hub, a creative hub, obviously a, a really a very talented guy, but um, you know, sort of known to be inconsistent since he's arrived at Southampton. I mean, Tadic is, is, is someone who um, was obviously used to be associated with creativity. I mean, are, are, are there players here at Southampton who you think have also let you down during this tough period? I think, yeah, they, there's been a number of players, I think, who I wouldn't particularly want to individually name them out uh, solely because I think that it's maybe only a symptom of the kind of disease that is Pellegrino, yeah. if, if you can put it that way. Um, I feel like it's kind of a knock-on little domino effect and you couldn't particularly blame them. There's no one player in particular that... I mean, their attitudes have all still been spot on. They've all still remained professional, so so credit to them there. But I feel like they've all been placed in this little box by Pellegrino. And uh, earlier in the season, there was an interview that came out where a, a number of players were talking about the ideas that Pellegrino's got them. And they were saying that even when they're moving forward and attacking, they're thinking about their defensive shape and not leaving too many forward. Now, obviously, we, you know, you read that in isolation and you think, yeah, well, of course you want to be aware of your defensive shape. But when you watch Southampton, you realise the extent to which he really means that. Uh, and it's as much as you, you'd be bowling up up the wing and you're worried about what they could do in two minutes' time. Um, so often of the time, I think our wingers and attacking midfielders in particular, uh, they've been very unlucky under Pellegrino, um, solely because he has been awful in in allowing your wingers to receive the ball high up the pitch. Whenever they're receiving it, they're receiving it beyond the uh, opposition's often left midfielder and fullback. Um, and they, they have so much work to do. Uh, on the instances that we do get through on goal so often, it's because the players had to come up with a complete moment of genius. And the biggest issue is that I'm failing to see repeated patterns of play in the final third. I'm failing to see a particular system. I mean, if you, if I told you, think of the typical, you know, Klopp Liverpool goal, you could tell me, you know, coming inside, spraying it out wide, back in, back to the touchline, a lovely little cutback for me, no, there. And when you say that, you know, to the previous Pochettino teams, I've got a goal that comes to mind. I've got, you know, think of the, the Coleman teams, I think at the Pella knockdowns to Mane, Bominant on out wide and a late arrival from Tadic. But then I think of this team under Pellegrino and there's no one type of goal. We either score from set pieces or from individual talent or from scraps. Um, and that's, that's one thing that's made me worry about his capability of, of developing attacking players. Um, and I think it's something we've got to sort out quick because players like the foul, like uh, Gabby Adini, um, we've now got obviously Carrillo in, um, Nathan Redmond after, you know, a decent enough season under Puel. He got eight Premier League goals last season. He's still yet to fall on the back of the net in the league this season. Um, and Tadic still only on two goals for the year. It's, it's worrying, um, for the development of those players because I guess at least when we were under Puel last season, the football was boring, but at least a number of players had developed. You could say that they'd matured. Um, they'd added new, new things to their game. They, they'd certainly developed. Um, and when I think of Pellegrino, I can't think of a single player that's flourished under Pellegrino. Um, I would say they've just performed to the level that you would expect when they are simply as talented as they are, um, or that they, they are just working hard. Um, I wouldn't really put down any players' good performances this season down to Pellegrino's, you know, tactical nows. Yeah, it certainly sounds like he's had a stifling effect on the, uh, on the whole team. I mean, I think last time we spoke, we obviously, obviously discussed Van Dyke, um, and we'll come on to him in a second, but we also discussed in terms of just, just recruitment and of course the, the need to buy, 
um, attacking players to help you boost mm. your goals. Um, Shane Long was on, you know, during that re- really, really barren drought that he was on. Um, he's not got too much better since then. Gabi Adini started positively, perhaps not had a, as, as, as many chances, not done as well. I think since then, despite being obviously still having that good attitude, still putting in the work, but Korea, obviously from Monaco, um, the signing that you'd made, I mean, obviously only two starts so far, uh, very early days for him, but, um, what sort of player is he? Do you think he's a, a, a player who, I mean, it's too early to tell probably, but is it, do you think he's a player who can help you with the, in that department in terms of the, the added creativity, the added goal threat? Um, what sort of player is he? Well, I think I, the way I've looked to, to find out what he wants from, from Carrillo is kind of in recent fixtures and throughout the majority of the season, the, the flair players have often kind of been neglected, especially in the centre-forward role. Gabby Adini's been lacking minutes. Um, he got on like a house of fire with Austin, who's, you know, a big, burly, strong, big framed forward. Someone that's capable of backing up into his defender. Um, someone that typically challenges his marker rather than looks to lose them, like Gabby Adini. Um, so I think, yeah, he's looking for a physical force, so a focal point to the front line. I think someone that he could potentially allow his wingers to hit the middleman quickly. Uh, someone that they can work off of, someone that they can... I think play long ball too sometimes, I've got to be honest. Uh, we've seen long ball up to Shane Long this season and my God, that's a, that's a painful, painful thing. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's like chucking a ball to just a, a border collie and they're just running around, running around, doing all kinds of craziness, but, but not finding it in the back of the net. So I guess, you know, Carrillo interests me because now we've got a focal point. Um, someone that Pellegrino worked with earlier in his career. Um, statistically, he's, he's meant to be absolutely superb in the air. Um, so far, we've seen little signs of that, um, and he's he's also been well recognised uh, from from Monaco fans for his flick-ons. Um, he's okay at getting others involved into play, so he's not particularly the most technical, um, but he, he's someone that can help others uh, be brought into the game. And I think that was spurred on from Austin's good early season form. Um, he, he quite likes a, a defensive forward in that sense, someone that can roll with the punches a little more. Um, and I think if we are going to stick with Pellegrino. Uh, I kind of at least want him to have the right tools for the job that he wants to do. Um, whilst I'm not a fan, you know, of Pellegrino, it, if he's going to stay around, we might as well give him what he wants. We might as well give him the tools that allow him to stay up um, to at least show us what style of football he's trying to show us. Um, the, the thing that still annoys me is that we we out and right needed a winger in the transfer window. Um, I think Pione Sisto from Celta Vigo would have been a brilliant choice. Quincy Promise from Spartak Moscow. Um, we only uh, approached Quincy Promise in the final days of the transfer window. Couldn't get a deal over the line because they needed a replacement, which, would you believe it or not, trying to conduct your transfer business on the 30th and the 31st kind of leads to eventualities like that. Um, and I find that crazy given that we we sold Virgil van Dijk prior to the window even, even opening. Yeah, of course. I mean, obviously, I'm... I saw you linked with Quincy Promise for a while as a, a player that we came across when we were in the uh, sort of the early stages of the ch- early stages of the Champions League De- definitely like mm. plenty plenty to offer as well an exciting player but um yeah career I mean Argentinian target man there I mean that's it's, it's, it's not the most um I'd say sort of player that you come up, you come across regularly but I think yeah I think from his pedigree already I think and, and some of his re- some of his reputation uh, it, it does sound like he's a uh, Pellegrino type of forward. I mean, yeah. you mentioned Van Dyke, and of course, 
the fact that he was sold prior to the window even opening, much to sort of, I think, the shock of Liverpool fans actually, um, in terms of just uh, by that point, we we really had no idea whether the, the deal was going to be done or not, to be honest. But um, what are fans' feelings on that? I mean, a, a, a hugely protracted saga um, with him finally departing for for Anfield, obviously. But um, I, I'm I'm guessing, as he's alluded to himself uh, in some of the quotes. Uh, Leading up to this weekend's game, he's expecting booze. He's expecting a negative atmosphere. Um, yeah, is is he is he, is he right to? I I think so. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think Virgil will definitely get his stick. Uh, I don't think as a number of fans will remember. I think remember the time Virg uh, Dayan oh, yeah. St Mary's, and I think Mar- roughly March two thousand sixteen, and he got pulled off at half time for an overly emotional display. So I'm just you know. I'm clinging on for dear lives that Virgil can't handle it this weekend. Um, it, I mean, he's a level, he's a class above Lovren. I'm sure he'll be able to hack it. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, do you want to actually, Harry, just re-remind me on that. What was the, the question prior to that, mate? It was mostly just just, just around, um, I mean, fans' perception of Virgil is obviously um, understandable given sort of the, yeah. the length of that saga. But I mean... Um, Oh, the window, the sale as a whole, yeah. yeah, the um, window, yeah he went early for, for a large fee, mm. um, slightly bigger than I think people were, were expecting yeah. in the summer, maybe. Um, do, do you think fans felt in the end that was good business? And, and, and why do you think there wasn't more reinvestment, especially because you, you mentioned that Pellegrino yeah. under pressure needing um, his own players? Well, I think the bottom line now is that the, the, the beginning of the window, we had Virgil van Dijk, and at the end of the window, we've now lost our best player. Um, that's gutting. Um, and I remember, I think I said on, on the previous, uh, previous Anfield Index podcast I came on, I said, you know, the real value of Van Dyke's sale will be found in the business that we do following that. Um, I was saying that the only reason why I'd want to let Van Dyke go early is in, in the idea that we would bring in a centre forward, a winger, um, and a centre back to replace Virgil. And quite frankly, there, we, we have sold our best player, Virgil Van Dyke. There's no doubt he's our best player. And we, we've since lost him, not replaced him with another sense back. I think they're going to go with the tagline of saying Jack Stevens gets more opportunities. But the bottom line is, is that Stevens is a considerable downgrade on uh, Virgil. Um, anyone will admit that. Um, and, and yeah, it's the disappointment of, of kind of being sold the dream that we sold Van Dijk early for that purpose. I can't see any other reason why we would. Um, and, and obviously the board wouldn't want to. Uh, have only signed one player. They would have no doubt wanted to do the three bits of business. But the bottom line is they got to hold their hands up and say they failed. You know, I think a number of other mid-table sides would have absolutely died um, to have that 75 million to be able to play around with that in the January window. Um, and the bottom line is that the, the board haven't stretched that. And if I still think we we have enough in us to stay up, but say if if we do go down come the end of the season. Um, I think lots of people would put that as the defining point of our season. Pellegrino would no doubt play a big part. Um, but the failure to to reinvest this considerably is is an an absolute shambles. Um, I've I've got to be honest because that was certainly the the board's plan from the off, um, and then they've fallen short. If they want to take the credit for all those years where so many were saying, look at Southampton's recruitment, they're, they're so good at being able to replace. How can you replace a player like Lalana when you're outside the top six? Um, how can you be able to to bring in replacements for Alderweireld, uh, for Lovren? Um, for, for Schneidlin, for Wanyama. Um, so if they want to take, you know, all the credit at that point, I think they've got to hold their hands up when they get it wrong. 
No, absolutely. I think given sort of the timing of the sale, the announcement of it, you would have thought there was a sort of a, a concerted plan and that there would be effort to get those players in. I think Liverpool fans, obviously, in a different way, feel that well, similarly about the, the sale of Coutinho, of course, in terms of the fact that this guy went huge fee, um, no replacement for that playmaker role, etc. Obviously, very different priorities, and um, um, it feels feels almost churlish to be complaining actually about that, to, to be honest. But um, <laughs> in terms of your ambitions for the season, then I mean, Pellegrino still sounds like there is, of course, a hugely divided fan base on him. Still has to win them over, so as to prove that he can he can bring this um, intense attacking football. Is it just going to be a consolidation and staying up, obviously, because of how the bottom of the league is, or um, what are you expecting? I think the bottom line, first of all, we we can't think that we're privileged enough to be talking about the top half, maybe a, a you know strong finish and finishing eighth. I think bottom line now, um, it's grab grab the safety as soon as possible, pick up points that week in week out. The last thing I want to do is to leave it to the final, you know, few games of the season where even if we do pick up three wins from four, what if Swansea were to pick up three wins in a draw? I, I would hate to leave it in someone else's hands like that, um, especially with the squad that we've got. Um, but aside from just grabbing the safety as soon as possible, um, I think we've got to find our best lineup. There's so many changes uh, on a weekly basis, and admittedly, a number of those have been down to, to injuries as well. Um, Bertrand and Cedric been in and out of the side, but I think we've got to decide our best back line. Um, I think we've got to sort out our midfield. We've got to, to work out those players that are in form, the ones that we are going to, to continue playing. I think it's absolutely crucial that Hoiberg and Lamina are starting whenever physically possible. Um, I think Walprouse is in brilliant form right now. And a, a thing that Pellegrino has done so often this season is cut players out as soon as they hit good form, one or two good games. And they're on the bench the following week. He claims for rotation, but at a time when we've got so little momentum, I, I really don't think that we can be affording to do that. Um, and it's not like this is unjust comments from fans because the worries that we'll voice before the game in that player then being dropped comes falls perfectly between our eyes, something we can see. Um, and yeah, yeah, players like uh, Lamina, um, like Hoiberg, like Buffal, um, and and I'm hoping Carrillo can be bedded into that starting lineup as well. Um, yeah, we've got to find our best starting lineup, and we've got to. I think Pellegrino's got to find a compromise because his he's he can recognise, he can see it himself now. His his negative style of football his don't lose first um approach to football isn't working um and i think the defensive security yeah it can definitely help and i think there is some benefits to take from that we've got to sort it out in the final third and i'm really hoping he kind of shows a push and admits that he was wrong um and he's is you know like i was saying with the ball willing to put his hand up um and say that he got it wrong and we can then move on if you know that's the approach that he's willing to take then then i'd be happy with that so regarding his approach then, I mean, you, you, you mentioned sort of that hoping that he um, allows you to play more expressive football, allows people to be more attacking and um, you know, obviously his shape and tactical setup is going to largely determine that. But um, for a game like this, this weekend's game then, knowing what you know of the attackers we have, some familiar, some obviously... Um, uh, not familiar, but 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 in in terms of what you know about our approach, the pressing, the intensity that we can sort of try and bring to away games, playing on the counter, etc. Um, would you expect Pellegrino to revert then, maybe perhaps to his 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 defensive type, or would you would you sort of be happier if if he did play a more expansive um, style, but albeit that that exposing you a little bit more? 
Mm. I think if we try to go toe to toe with with Liverpool, we're going to get absolutely ruined. Um, I, I don't, I just don't think we have the capabilities to do that. And Liverpool just do it so well that if you dare try and play them at their own game, they're they're most probably going to come out on top. Um, to be fair to Pellegrino, uh, it's the results against the smaller sides that have been the biggest issue. Um, a number of actually encouraging performances against big teams this season. Um, we picked up that point against Spurs um, for a week ago. Um, we picked up a draw against Arsenal a few weeks ago. Um, I think many will remember we nearly drew against City if it wasn't for a 96-minute Sterling winger, uh, winner, um, which is pretty gutting as well. And although we have also lost against United, the performance itself was actually pretty encouraging. I remember a number of fans coming away from that saying, if we take the same approach into next week's fixture, we'll we'll easily wipe the floor with them. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say our only bad result against the top side has been the Spurs thrashing. So against the big teams, I'm I'm not all that anti with Pellegrino. Um, there's definitely plenty of room for improvement. It's it's so far from perfect. I wouldn't even say it's it's that encouraging, exciting, or even even good at that. I don't even know if it is acceptable. But that his approach is certainly more suited to big teams. Um, where he's willing to sit and soak, um, maybe look to break. It's definitely, we've got to work on on the way that we transition forward. Um, we're too panicky about what's behind us, um, about whether we've got enough men forward and, and not enough kind of just heads down, believe in yourself and, and run. He's not inspiring much confidence into the mm. front line. Um, but yeah, I, I will expect us to maybe take a more defensive approach. If we do grab a goal early, I would put my life savings on us sitting deep. <laughs> Yeah, I think it'll be interesting because obviously I think Liverpool yeah. have 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 had their issues in the past with with dealing with a compact, more more defensive approach. I mean, you, you know it yourself from from the way in which Puel had so much joy actually against um against Klopp in in, in those two in oh, was it, four encounters last season actually. Um, obviously yeah. um, different management here, but if 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 his priorities are what you say they are, um, it should be an interesting test. Um. um Anyway, Aiden, thanks so much for all that insight. I'll, I'll bring you back into the end of the pod to, to perhaps to discuss sort of lineups and sort of key battles mm-hmm. we think are going to happen. So, so talking Liverpool, um, it's been a busy week of discussion around you know, the fallout of that Spurs game. Lots of incidents within that Spurs game seem to have a little bit of everything. Um, lots of sort of debates around refereeing laws. Um, um, <laughs> there's, there's been quite a lot. I mean, I feel like the dust has settled now, Ash, in terms of that result, but still, still stings. Just about. Just I think about. it still stings. <laughs> I mean, what did you make of that performance um, as a whole? Um, perhaps sort of putting the result to a side. Um, and um, as you know, then putting the result back in. I mean, now that we've had a few days to sort of rest upon it, is it a good point in the end? Yeah, I think um, draw wasn't the worst result, was it really? I mean, I think it was important not to lose uh, to Spurs, you know, in the worst case scenario, because, you know, they're an excellent side and they're probably our biggest threat to top four right now. Um, so I think before the game, I would have certainly taken a draw and I predicted a two-all draw for that one. Um, but I think it's another game where you come away feeling disappointed at the outcome just because of the circumstances around it. Um, and, you know, that beautiful piece of magic from Mo Salah almost wins us the game. And then we were robbed at the death by the uh, the referee and the linesman. It's uh, pretty galling, really, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it's horrible that people haven't been speaking more about that Salah goal as well, isn't it? You think about how yeah, how yeah. magical it was. Oh, and that was worthy to win any match, wasn't it? You know that that should have been on a 
highlights reel for years to come as, as you know famous winners and uh, beautiful Anfield winners kind of thing um, and it just just wasn't to be and it, you know unbelievable bit of skill um, so you really have to feel for him on a kind of personal level there you know he really deserved more than that um, but I think you know no, overall I think the draw was a fair result um, I think you know a lot of people said you know Spurs had a lot of the ball they had lots of possession uh, didn't really do much with it but I think tactically I was really impressed with the way uh, Pochettino went about it and I think you know they really played us off the park in that second half you know um, and although we went for a counter-attacking approach in that game I think kind of Spurs dictated the tempo in that second half and dictated the way we played as well. Um, but no, I think overall draw was a fair result. Uh, you'd rather we're a team that puts ourselves in a good position, although we're not, you know, we've, we've lost a lot of, you know, good leads and drawn lots of, we should have won season. I think the good, the positive thing going forward is, you know, if we can learn to manage a game a bit better uh, through better personnel, better in-game tactics, the potential is quite high going forward. If we can just tighten up a bit, a bit at the back. So, um, I think the team's still a work in progress. I think it shows, especially against the top level opposition. I think they now know how to combat our style a bit better and not play into our hands too much. I mean, first half Spurs did play to our ha- into our hands a bit and we just panicked them. Um, although we got a bit of luck with that early goal and I think that, that, uh, that kind of worked for us and then put Spurs on the back foot and then they had to be a bit more expansive. But, um, I think, you know, it showed again, there were positive signs there that, you know, no matter how good you are, it's very hard to play against us when we press with such ferocity and coordination. Um, no, certainly. But I think, you know, teams are certainly cottoning on a bit now and just adapting their style. So, you know, our, our performances aren't as, let's say, spectacular this season against the top top four rivals. But um, we're certainly getting better against some of the weaker sides. So, uh, yeah, horses for courses a bit, really. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Obviously, I think you mentioned their sort of sides adapting their approach and um, very few sides had that, I guess, not not ego or, or hubris, but you know, just back themselves to be able to to play straight against us and 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 beat us our own game. Um, City obviously we yeah, saw yeah. came and a- adopted that approach, and you'd expect nothing less considering the run that they're on. But just about managed to edge them out. Spurs uh, t- took a different approach, and I thought, yeah, what the, what they did in the second half with their midfield especially was very interesting. And whilst they didn't create too much, I mean. I, I was on the post-match raw pod afterwards, and I was thinking um, we really could have been out of sight in the I first that, 25 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah we, we really could have been gone. Um, but in the second half, I mean, they, they completely controlled the game. But I, I just they didn't, did. I didn't think they, they created anything. So, so it is a bit galling, as you mentioned there, with those penalties. But how did you feel? We, I mean, penalties aside, I think that, that we won't talk about those because. There's so much, sure. been so much discussion around. There's so them. much about it already, hasn't yeah, there? Yeah, it's just like endless conjecture on it. But how did you feel we defended as a unit, just generally? Because we we came under a lot of pressure. Mm, yes, yeah, it's a good question actually. Um, I think I think we defended okay. Uh, certainly first half we really looked solid and you know played the offside trap really well. Uh, we were to be fair, you know, <laughs> even for that penalty we played the offside pretty well, didn't we? Um, if it hadn't been for the referee, so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we stepped up, you know, pushed out when we needed to. I think what what um, we defended well, but we had a lot of numbers back. And what happened, we we just got deeper and deeper. Now, it's very subjective, this one. You could argue that, yeah, you know, Spurs didn't create an awful lot. I think for me, watching the game, although they weren't creating a lot, I could just see what was coming. And whether it was the referee helping them or just, you know, us losing concentration, you, you know, this defence 
we know you know there's there's always a mistake lurking around the corner or just a team can unpick the lock at any one moment um so i think to say that the the, the referee's decision and obviously it did have a big impact on the game but that's not to say that they wouldn't have gone up and scored it anyway um i think what 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 the possession play did well and also actually um just the way we we played with the ball when we did get the ball it was just kind of long hoofs down the wings and often, you know, there was, wasn't a huge amount of support for the, uh, the forward men. And a lot of up, break ball down to Salah, no real support, and then just, just relying on a bit of magic from him. So I think yeah. Spurs tired us out. We were tiring. And we just dropped deeper and deeper. So we, we defended well, and we had the numbers back. But I just felt, to me, it certainly it seemed as if it was only a matter of time before they scored, because we just looked uh, like we were running on empty towards the end. Um but again, we, we did enough to win. That's the frustrating thing. You know, we did, despite the problems, we, we almost won that game and should have won that game. Um, and I think that's, that's the, uh, the hard thing to take. You know, we didn't get what we, we deserved, you know, with, with moments of magic like that, you know, you can't, the whole point of having these players, you know, players like Salah, Mane, Firmino, they, they can conjure up a bit of brilliance. Um, and sometimes that's all you need to win a game, you know, so you take it where you get it. And, uh, we almost came away with the with the with the spoils, really. So uh, yeah. yeah, very disappointing. Even now, I'm sure you know all Liverpool fans, you know, still still hurt. It's several days on. Yeah, it still still stings for sure. I mean, I think yeah, you 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 make quite a few good points there. I think one in terms of sort of the spark we expect from Mane and and, and Salah and Firmino and. I always think it's funny when people go, yeah, yeah, you're doing well, but where would you be without your your striker <laughs> or or yeah, your or your yeah. best player? And well, obviously, yeah, well, where would you be without your best player? I mean, it's it's it's, 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 it's going to be tough. And whilst I don't like the way in which we are relying on moments of individual brilliance lately, I think since since Coutinho has gone, I think there's a, obviously a massive mm. dearth in creativity. And um, whilst we have got three incredible attackers up there, um, it, it does feel a little bit. Um, tough to sort of try and rely upon them constantly, especially in games like that where, as you mentioned, there was no real outlet and we were being we were being forced back quite a lot. I think actually, in in some senses, it's, it's going to take us replacing certain personnel like Lovren, perhaps, um, just for us to get out of this sort of mindset that, oh, like you yeah, said, yeah. you know, we're, we're going to concede. We're going to concede. Um, one person who was obviously involved in that defensive performance, um, uh, people talked lots about him this week as well. I think, I think. Somewhat unfairly, to be honest, I thought it was his best game for us. What did you think of um, the performance of uh, of Carius? I mean, did he impress you? Were there aspects of his performance that you thought stood out? Yeah, he definitely impressed me. Um, I mean, I'm a, I do like Carius actually. I'm a big fan of his. Um, with I'm sort of starting to lose a bit of faith recently, um, particularly after the Man City game. But even even looking at that, you know, I can kind of. Looking back now, I can kind of let him off for that goal. It was, you know, a very good strike. And, uh, you know, maybe a lot of keepers would have just been beaten just by the sheer pace of that finish. <laughs> He's never um, going to hit anything like that again, is he? <laughs> no, no, exactly. It was an absolute rocket, you know. So I kind of look back now and think, actually, did he do that badly? Probably not. Um, so I do, I do like his style, his reflexes, you know, really good reflexes, which we saw in the in the game against Spurs. I love his distribution, you know, whether it's long or short. It's always quick. It's incisive. And I just think our attacking plays far quicker with him in goal. Um, so I do have some reservations over his suitability for the number one position over the longer term. But 
at the same time, you know, he's got to be given a chance. Um, quality keepers, I think we were discussing at the writers group earlier, you know, quality keepers, um, they're quite hard to come by at this level. So replacing him won't be that easy. Um, and a few of our rivals will probably also be looking for keepers in the summer. So I think it's everyone's best interest if he takes his chance and shows Klopp, you know, he can be the keeper that Klopp was hoping for when he signed. Yeah. Um, I think he's got all the attributes, you know, to be a perfect sweeper keeper for us. Um, and the, the thing, the thing about sweeper keepers, Howie, um, often the best sweeper keepers aren't the best shot stoppers. That's the thing, because you know, to get a all-round top quality keeper that can do everything very well, it's it's a very rare thing. And I'm not sure such a keeper exists, but yeah, I think you also find that the keepers that tend to be sort of the modern German sweepers as well. You look at Tostegen as well. They often have. Some somewhat unorthodox techniques as well. I mean, in terms of yeah, the way yeah. in which they go, to, they go about saving shots. I mean, uh, I, th- I think I saw somebody criticizing Karis a couple of weeks back for how low his hands were. I, th- I think it perhaps was for the um, the Sane goal um, for Man City, I think it which, was, yeah. which I thought actually was an, an incredibly well well struck shot anyway. But obviously, you you know what want to be beaten at your near post but um yeah i think i think he's he's somewhat a, a part of this sort of new wave of goalkeepers who we don't know his final quality yet but you can tell there's there's technique there that probably riles some of the some of the older um pundits and uh, yeah. I, I i thought redknapp i mean he's, he's not a goalkeeper he doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> but um i thought i thought some of the commentary was pretty just just disgraceful to be honest it, it, it was so blatantly trying to spin it into some sort of thing that was his his problem when actually, in fact, I think you just got to accept if you punch it 25 yards and then the guy who never scores blasts one into the top corner, um, you have to accept it from time to time. But yeah, I thought he did well and seems a determined, calm, um, pretty confident chap as well. So I'm, I'm hoping he can get a nice run now and, and, and just show us what he can offer, even if it uh, ultimately doesn't you know, prove to be enough um, to stop us going out and buying a a new goalkeeper. I, I, I thought another aspect Great. of the performance that we looked at loads, um, well, about it hasn't been looked at too much this week, but um, I want to just to get your thoughts on the performance of the midfield. And Spurs are blessed with you know, some, some some really talented players, and Dembele for one of them, who I've always sort of admired in terms of his ability to um, get on the ball, be confident, dribble past players, take people out, play incisive passes. Um, something I think was completely missing from our midfield now. Now, now Coutinho's gone. Um, this weekend, would you like to see Ginny and Ox come back in? So, what were your thoughts on sort of our midfield, uh, the way it lined up against Spurs? And yeah, would you expect those two to to come back in? I think the lineup against Spurs it, it baffled me a bit, to be honest, Harry. I think I again I commented in the writers' group. Certainly, Milner was a funny one for me. Um, but I think just the selection of Milner and Hendo in the same midfield against that calibre opposition, I think it's no coincidence that Spurs were so dominant in the middle of the park, you know, with those two in there. Um, I mean, you know, they're very game players, you know, typical British attributes, you know, lots of heart, lots of endeavour, you know, lots of will, but, you know, probably lacking in quality on the ball. Um, and I think it's fair to say, you know, we, we, we do look a bit pedestrian, especially with those two in there, you know, uh, very few outpours for the defence um, in the second half against Spurs, and just just that lack of tempo and just that ability. Everything went vertical for me. Everything was just straight, you know, kick it forward, kick it forward. There's no kind of lateral movement to our play, you know, just to keep it going sideways, just to 
you know, ease the tempo, move Spurs around and just, just settle and rest on the ball. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, it explains a lot of, you know, how, I mean, obviously Klopp's tactics came to play as well and Klopp was just playing on the counter-attack. But I just think in these kind of games against the top quality opposition, um, this has been discussed, you know, throughout the week. But I think you just need to be better on the ball. You know, we're Liverpool and, uh, you know, we're not the greatest club in the world, but we're, we're a very good team and we should be controlling the game better than what we saw. Yeah, I am um, so. uh, somewhat baffled. I mean, I'd love to get your opinion on this, but I'm, I'm somewhat yeah. baffled as to the way the way in which certain players' performances are are judged. I mean, obviously we know that there are certain players, Chana Henderson in, in particular, who, who who divide opinion, but I, I mean, I, I, I'm really trying to be as objective as possible here, but sure, um, sure. the Huddersfield game, I thought, it was practically a practice game because they put nothing, they put no pressure on us whatsoever. Um, and of course, Milner and Henderson did, did, did well to recycle the ball in that game and keep things ticking. But, um, in, in, in my view, I, I, I thought Henderson really, really struggled in that game. And I, I remember seeing him against uh, Chelsea as well. Obviously, when you're dealing with Eden Hazard, you're going to get beaten most <laughs> of the time anyway. But yeah. I thought that yeah. game as well showed him up as well. And, I'm, I, I, there's no personal vendetta. I'd love him. I'd love him to be Bastian Schweinsteiger's second coming, but it's just, I, I, I do find myself wincing a little bit. He, he looks in pain when he's trying to press the ball. It doesn't, doesn't look yeah. like it's coming comfortably to him. I mean, yeah. In terms of Ginny and Ox, um, and, um, and Chan, that midfield we saw against City, do you think that is the first choice midfield now? I think it's um, what we're seeing is horses for courses again, Harry. I think um, what we've seen is that Ox and Ginny are probably better options when we control the game without the ball. So that's but without the ball. What I mean there is, you know, when we're playing a more counter-attacking style or a pressing approach um, against a team that keeps the ball. Because let's be honest. I mean, well, to be fair, Gin- Ginny's actually very good on the ball, um, but it's not expansive. It's kind of and what we really needed was Ginny to impose himself on that game against Spurs, you know, because what he excels at is those simple short passes, which just keep the momentum going in terms of the passing tempo. Uh, we didn't see that at all. Uh, and Ox, I just don't rate him on the ball, really. You know, he's not a bad player, don't get me wrong, but um, he's not the kind of player that's going to calm things down and dictate the tempo of the game again and be the playmaker that we need. So um, I think both of them are just better options when we, we can sit back, we can press teams. And they don't have, to, you know, their their on ball contribution is minimal. Um, I think when we need a bit more guile, that's probably where we look at the likes of Milner. I mean, Milner and Hendo, you know, they both got their limitations, but certainly if you uh, if a team's sitting back and you give them time and space, they are they are able to find people and you know just get the ball moving. Um, so yeah, I think it's just showing that we don't have complete midfielders at the moment, and it's a very Still probably a bit of an unbalanced midfield, especially now Coutinho's gone. Um, M.Y. Chan for me, you know, he, he needs to start every game. I think, you know, he can play in any game scenario, really. He's a, he's a top player for me. Um, I think, you know, when Lalana returns, I'd like to see him against the park bus, especially now we don't have Coutinho. I think, you know, he's a player that's capable of getting between the lines and at least carrying the ball and relieving some pressure. Um, but I think for this weekend, I'd probably like to see, just, just to give us a bit, a bit, a bit of balance, um, probably Chan is the number six, Milner and Ox is the eight, um, and then have Ginny and Hendo as the subs, really. So, interesting to see what you think about that. No, yeah, I think it's a game that we're going to be dominating the ball again, isn't it? But um, Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I do. I, I do wonder. I mean, tricky one. I think we do need to see Henderson come back and 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 try and regain fitness anyway. Just just for the games we have um, remaining this season, he's, he's definitely going to have to be playing a part. But I I, I do find myself wondering um, exactly what sort of the best combination will be. I think him and Chan have combined quite well over um, over the years when they have been paired together. But yeah, I I, I would think Chan is. Chan's probably the more dynamic of those of those three. If you're talking about him and him and Milner as well, Henderson, Milner, and Chan. So there's a, a temptation to push him forward, but then again, we know he's good at the six as well. It's just, so it's, it's a tough balancing act to to sort of sort out, especially with um, Coutinho going and uh, you know no one coming in. But that's completely beside the point. There, we really can't dwell on that either. But um, uh, one other player, just before we get on to talking about the, the game this weekend and, and what you're expecting from Southampton, but one former Southampton player who's going through a tough time at the moment um, is, is Sadio Mane, and obviously searching for rhythm, um, not finding his, his, his full form. As we know, he, you know he, can, he can really light things up when he's, uh, when he's on top of his game. Uh, do you think, it, I mean, we, haven't known, we don't really have any choices, but do you think it's right just that, that we keep playing him and hope that he discovers that you know or rediscovers that rhythm or do you think we need to be moving him around do you think it's 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 the switch onto the left that's that's caused this crisis in confidence yes i think the switch to the left has certainly made an impact um you know and think you know the arrival of salah and the quality he possesses means that you know he's naturally become our go-to man um, he's not necessarily our most important player but you get the sense he's he's becoming that man um I think I think Mane. I, I don't see a huge problem. I think you know maybe physically, he suffered some recent injury niggles, hasn't he? Some some kind of fairly lengthy injury layoffs, and I'm just wondering whether he's the same physically as he was last season. So I think that's certainly something that I've noticed. I'm not sure if he's sprinting, you know, less than he was last season, but it just feels like at times he's playing within himself. Um, but I think also you know playing on a different side, as you said there, Harry. Um, different partners, you know, different midfielders behind him, depending on who Klopp picks. Uh, he's playing with a different um, a f- different fullback as well. So, obviously not quite the same relationships that he had last season with Nathaniel Klein, for example. Um, so, he's, he's kind of, to expect him to do the same things, I think you've got to look at the overall team dynamic as well and who he's around. Um, but I think, you know, even Salah, you know, he's playing brilliantly at the moment, but, but at some point he'll go through a loss of form. And that's where others will shine. So hopefully I'm waiting for Mane just to, you know, just get through this this spell. Um, his productivity hasn't diminished, I don't think. You know, going by the stats, it doesn't seem as if he's doing too much different from what he was doing last year. Um, but I think we're just seeing that as you improve the front three, Harry, um, naturally you can't expect the same impact from each individual in that front three because, it, you know, the, the, the workload's shared. So Firmino started to get more goals this season. Salah obviously has just been on a you know real hot streak of form, so you know to expect Mane as well now to to you know score loads of goals and so on. It's just not going to happen, just because you can only score a certain amount of goals every game. Um, but I think what we're seeing, you know, Salah has had a big impact, um, and I think he's just a better player technically. So maybe last last season where Mane was our outball, you know, with his pace. Now that we've got pace on both flanks, and because Salah's in such hot form, you know, maybe. Salah gets more of the passes from midfield and is the preferred passing option. Yeah. Uh, that's another possibility. 
Um, but no, for me, I'd rather we focus on getting rid, you know, or, or kind of players that aren't delivering. I'd rather the club, you know, focuses on getting rid of the underachievers and the fans really give our support to the players that we know can deliver for us. And Mane's one of those, really. Um, yeah, I think you're right. You know, we should be getting behind him. You know, we, you know, he's not a problem or he's the least of our problems right now. You know, yeah. for me, he's more or less the same player. Maybe not as fit as he needs to be to perform at his very highest level, but you know, you look at the goals he scored at Burnley and City, top class finishes. You know that he's got a lot of quality there. So um, I think the concerns are probably a bit misplaced. Um, it's possible he's overthinking things at times, taking the wrong option, but he's getting in the positions. He's there or thereabouts, you know, and you feel that um, won't take too much to get to get back into the the kind of form we'd expect. But yeah, you... I think we just have to temper our expectations as well, really, just to accept that you know. Um, he isn't the main man anymore. There's three top players there in that front line, and everyone's going to, you know, have to sacrifice something to the greater good of the team. Um, but you know, essentially for me, Mane is a very good player. And fan did... support will just help to, you know, let's get behind him and uh, support him, and uh, you know, not criticise on Julie. I think. No, I think you're right, and I think you do feel that um, should he rediscover that form or when he does rediscover that form, that's going to help us massively towards the end of this season, especially yeah. with the absence, uh, with the absence of Coutinho. I think at, at the start of the season, when, oh, definitely. when Coutinho definitely. wasn't in the side, um, for whatever sort of back injury or, yeah, <laughs> the famous back injuries. Um, I thought you saw Mane take on a huge amount of responsibility within the team to, to be a creative hub. And, um, I, I I actually think he combines better with Moreno actually as a fullback. Um, mm-hmm. um, so uh, yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting to see whether Moreno's rotated back in for a few games and, and how they combine. But yeah, certainly being on that left side, he seems less uh, confident taking on his man. Perhaps it's a little bit more predictable as well. Everyone knowing he wants to come in onto his right, um, whereas on the right he he really could go either way um, because his his left, as we've seen. Um, a couple of those strikes, both on the both on his left foot, he does possess great quality on it, despite perhaps doubting it uh, from time to time. So I'm, I'm sure he's going to get a great reception the, the, <laughs> this weekend, um, along yeah. along with Van Dijk. I mean, from what you heard from Aiden in, in, in the first part of the pod, I mean, what sort of approach are you expecting from us for this game? Um, you know, thinking about how Spurs went uh, and how much rotation do you think there will be from from the side we saw? Um, go out against Spurs. Yeah, it's an interesting one, though, this one. Um, I think you'd probably expect us to be going into the game expecting to win. Um, but I think certainly, the, I think the loss of Coutinho, to be honest, I mean, we don't want to overplay it, but I think we've got to accept that, you know, we lost a key component of this team and it's not just the goals and the assists that he um, that we miss. You know, he does, I think the team lacks cohesion and um, he really... You know, not having him in there, I think it really exacerbates the lack of, uh, or kind of highlights the lack of quality that this team has on the ball. Um, you know, in terms of creativity and supplying the front men. And I think the front men are suffering. And I think you made a really good point there about, you know, Mane's now, say, say having to drop deeper because he's not getting the balls that maybe Coutinho would feed into him. You made a very good point about Robertson as well. I think Robertson's always going for a cross into the boxes and he's not always necessarily looking to play those, you know, quick give-and-goes that Moreno's um, notorious for. I think technically Moreno's probably a bit better than Robertson further up the field in terms of just the way he interacts with the um, the front men, creating overloads and so on. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, I think, you know, we got to go into the game looking to win that. We got to win it. Um, 
So I think we'll be going in there to dominate possession. I mean, to be fair to Southampton back in, was it November we played them? Um, to be fair to them, they didn't really park the bus, did they? They actually did come out and try and play for spells of that game. And I think it took a, you know, a really worldy from um, Mohamed Salah to open up the scoring. And I think once we got that early goal, as we've seen this season, then it was a bit easier to to pick them off. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think Saints are struggling right now, but um, I was just looking at their results. I haven't seen a huge amount of them this season in terms of games, but uh, I was looking at some of their results. And as Aidan said, that you know they're pretty good against the um, the better quality teams. You know they've drawn against Spurs, Arsenal, United. They they only had narrow defeats to Chelsea and um, Man City as well. So I'm not expecting an easy game. So I think we're just going to have to. Make sure we try and control the midfield so that, that we don't allow them to take the sting out of our attacking tempo. Um, and I think just, just hope we can find the creativity and supply to our front men. Yeah, sure. But I think, you know, in, that said, you know, we've got the quality to win games just because virtue of the front three we've got. But I think they definitely need more support from the midfield than we've seen in recent games. I think mm-hmm. they've been very isolated at times. Um, and I don't think that's going to be enough. I think we're going to really have to create overloads, flood the box. And just batter the door down. And I think if we get the early goal, you know, um, hopefully we've got the game management and we'll still be smarting after the Spurs result and we'll show a bit more ruthlessness and really finish them off. Um, mm. You do feel that would be important, that early goal. I mean, Aidan, j- j- just to bring you in here, I mean, <laughs> what are the key battles do you think that you could see ahead of this um, ahead of this fixture? Do you, do you think it's going to be that midfield battle? I think, I mean, one player, I'm not sure if he's injured or not, but is... Uh, Oriel Romeo injured, or, or, or do you expect him to start this week? Nah. Yeah, he he should be available for selection. Um, I mean, it's the it's the typical cliche kind of statement to say the battle will be in the midfield, but I I really do believe that in this this weekend's game. Um, I think the Saints midfield, as I, I mentioned earlier, have been rotating a lot this this season so far. Um, but I think Pellegrino's starting to become aware um, of his best midfield, and uh, obviously you guys have had your your problems in central midfield and you've obviously got the two eights as well um and as you say those those boys are so key to providing service to your front line um and i think if we went about to try and stop your front line just individually i, I think we're going to get beaten for talent uh i think Mane and salah it's all about stopping and receiving those balls in the dangerous areas stopping and receiving it in those pockets of space um so yeah i think i think it, it would be an awful decision for us not to play um the the deeper holding midfielder in uh, Romeo, uh and then Lamina and Hoiberg just uh, just in front of him, kind of similar, I guess, to the way that Liverpool do their eights as well. Um, but it, it's it's worked in a nice way um, for Saints. Uh, Hoiberg and Lamina specifically um, rack up some brilliant numbers in terms of their pressing. They really get about yeah, the field. That's a hard um, working Le- midfield, isn't it? I just about yeah, to say. it is a very hard working midfield. Very tactical, uh, very technical as well. Sorry, um, and and Hoiberg, he, he can really dictate the tempo of the game. Um, especially against the top teams. He's been brilliant for that this season. You've got Romeo waiting back and sweeping. Lamina coming on there in the interceptions. He's brilliant at, at bursting us forward um, as well. And I think I think we can create problems um, against your back line. Um, I think Ward-Prowse as well. I think that's that's he's a player who's who's going to be seriously dangerous against um, you this weekend. His deliveries, as everyone knows, have been superb. He's kind of, he's found this kind of wide right midfield role at the minute. Um, that's allowing him not really having to take on any players, um, which, which has always been maybe his weakness. He's not particularly 
physical. Um, he's not got that extra yard of pace. But my word, Ward Prowse's delivery is is something else, um, and it can cause anyone problems. So I think if we're looking to pat the midfield, um, look to get it wide quickly and and deliver balls, put put the balls in between your two centre halves, give them decisions to make. Um, I think it'll be all about a big early start from Saints as well. Um, I'd fear the worst if Liverpool get an early goal. And Ash, I mean, I think Aidan mentioned at the start there, I mean, whenever Lovren's gone back to Southampton, I, 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 I can't really remember a performance that's been a calm one. Obviously, Lovren has had plenty of performances that haven't been calm by, by any stretch of the imagination, but he does seem to be an emotional player who, I think, when things get under his skin, he struggles to recover from that. I mean, there's yeah. there's two players there that we're now that we're now looking at. I think Van Dijk will will actually be fine in terms of handling that the atmosphere he's going to get. I think he sort of he does strike me as a guy who's very 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 confident in his own ability. So uh, he'll he'll probably actually enjoy it in in, in some way that yeah, he's, he's got to prove people wrong. But I mean, would you be happy if he went with that same centre back pairing again? I mean, you've heard about Carrillo and. Perhaps the more direct approach they're going to try with Ward Prowse as well. Really superb delivery there. Would you be comfortable with us going with Lovren and uh, Van Dyke again? It's pretty obvious Van Dyke will start, but um, who would you like to see alongside him? Because we need to get a consistent pairing there, don't we? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, no, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I can understand Klopp uh, playing Lovren against Spurs. I really couldn't. Um, why you'd break up? I mean, Matip and VVD hasn't been perfect, but that's the that's the, the partnership, certainly for this season. We'd put your money on, really, wouldn't you? Um, so I, I didn't really understand why he played Lovren um, and brought him back. I mean, to be fair, Lovren did okay. Uh, but even on that offside, we saw the, the very worst of Lovren that can just rear its ugly head at any given moment. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sick of saying this, to be honest. It sounds really harsh, but I'm absolutely sick to the back teeth of Lovren. And I keep saying, you know, I hope he's, you know, I hope this is the last game I see him in red, and yet he seems to keep coming back and making a, you know, reappearance. Um, he's not the answer going forward, and I just don't know why we persist with him. Um, you know, he's he's very good in the air, and the the Ward Prowse uh, comment you made there actually that you know I think Lovren would probably be better suited in that kind of physical game. Uh, but you know, for me, it's got to be Matip and uh, Van Dyke. I mean, Van Dyke. Seems to be like a magnet at the moment in both boxes, doesn't he? he? Wins headers in our box, he's winning headers in the opposition box. So I think, you know, Van Dyke and Matic between them have enough height and enough, you know, uh, breeding of the game that they should, they should be fine against Southampton, to be honest. I think I do worry a little bit because Southampton do have these, you know, these tricky smaller players, um, that, you know, if they can turn our, our centre backs, then, you know, we could be in a bit of trouble and we were a bit susceptible to, to, to kind of low crosses into the box. We saw that against Spurs a couple of times and uh, in recent games as well. So um, they certainly have tools to, to hurt us, but I think provided we give the uh, the defence enough protection from midfield, you know, Matip and uh, Van Dijk is more than sufficient to um, to play in the game. And that's the, the partnership I hope to see. Yeah, you'd imagine Van Dijk's going to be super pumped for this game, actually, in terms of trying to prove his worth, trying to prove his value. I mean, um, you always wonder what the reception will be if if a former player. We've, we've obviously had Mane, uh, Van Dijk, Lalana before him. I mean, I'm not going to mention them all out of some weird spite, but um, yeah, if, <laughs> if 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 Van Dijk were to score, you do you do wonder what that would be like. Um, but um, yeah, certainly has been. I think. Um, yeah, 
I'm not going to try and downplay it. I think I, I, I do think he's a fantastic player and um, he, he's somebody who I think it's, it's been so weird for us to have a defender who's clearly good at defending um, back there. It's been, it's been a long time. So it's, I think he's probably just sort of rediscovering it a little bit as well. I think um, having a goalkeeper back there, having fullbacks going, oh yeah, this guy next to him can actually clear the ball and things like that. But um, yeah, still finding his feet and I think this, this is going to be a tough... Yeah. Of course, tough. never seen that before. Kind of thing, yeah. yeah, it's going to be a tough atmosphere um, for a minute. But um, guys, then just to come for you, um, to come to you now for a prediction, um, and, and perhaps if you want to um, talk about one player from the opposition team that you're you're not looking forward to facing this weekend. So, I mean, Aiden, come to you first. I mean, uh, uh, one player, I guess you you, you, could, you could pick that that you're not looking forward to. To facing and and then um the uh, your prediction for for this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure this player has been mentioned every week, but Mohamed Salah, the, <laughs> yeah. the bloke scares the living daylights out of me. Um, I think the thing that worries me most about him is that he can he can miss a chance, he can stretch play, get an easy one on one, miss it, and and have absolutely no problem going for the same chance thirty seconds later. Um, that's that's what absolutely frightens me. Uh, we're we're really bad with with pace running at us specifically once we're on the back foot. Um, I'm awfully worried at the thought of Mane and Salah either side of Firmino. It's an, it's a beautiful front line, I've got to say. Um, and especially Mane against us, the direct running. Um, yeah, it scares the living daylights out of me. Um, it, it all depends, I think, on the team sheet because this is this is the wild thing. I've been asked so many times this season for predictions on Southampton, but. I mean, with with so many other teams, you've roughly got a consistent idea um, of the lineup that's being put out there. Um, Southampton, it, it's almost like a raffle every week. I think if we were to go with the same lineup or similar, at least to West Brom, um, I actually think we can we can get something out of this. Um, I, I'm going to go with a one-all draw. But say if if the if the lineup does vary, uh, then I, I can't really look past Liverpool winning maybe three-one. You mentioned Salah, one of his good traits there in terms of um, not being worried about missing a chance and then going back and trying the same thing again. It, it, that's actually something I've always associated with Mane as well. I'm not sure what you remember from his time at Southampton, but some, yeah. another player who doesn't seem to be phased by the fact that he's he got into a great position and horribly skewed a shot or something like that. No, he, he just sees it as a, another reason to go get the chance because he's thought, well, I've missed one. I'm probably not going to miss the next. You know? Yeah, I think sometimes people get annoyed as well that he, he does try some very unorthodox um, sort of techniques and audacious stuff. But yeah, I think that is one of the that's one of the strengths in terms of that confidence that they seem to have in the um, in their ability. I mean, Ash, bringing you in here, I mean, what 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 player from Southampton's team, or, or or perhaps what factor from Southampton's team as well, worries you for this weekend? Um, and uh, what do you think the uh, the score will be? Yeah, I think I think uh, as Aidan said, we we kind of both agreed on this. I think the battle will be in midfield for that midfield supremacy, and I think if we can kind of impose our game on Southampton, we'll come out trumps. But also, um, if they if they kind of stifle our play and kind of break it down, I think uh, you know we could lose a bit of confidence uh, with the lack of creativity we've got in the midfield at the moment. So I think for me, Lamina, he's a real beast of a player. I really like mm-hmm. him, and I think he could be uh, crucial for them. Um, but you know we've still got enough quality to to get the win. I think I'd take a narrow win to be honest with you, Harry. Um, we can start quickly and be ruthless. We've got the quality to to win it comfortably, as we've said. Uh, but it might be one of those away days where we just have to scrap and scrape and grind out the win. Um, 
and you know we need the win because Spurs are coming to good form again. Um, two two good results back to back for them. So um, I'll, I'll go for a two one. I think, and it wouldn't yeah. surprise me to see Van Dyke come up with a you know winning header. Don't go there. The last ten minutes or something <laughs> like that. It's Witten. It's Witten. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be an excruciating um, sort of two one because I because I think it, of all the games, despite sort of the struggles you've had this season, I think the crowd will be right up for it. Um, It'll make life difficult, probably, uh, for for both centre backs. Whoever plays um, Mane as well, I think he'll get some, probably, get extra stick considering the fact just, just that Van Dijk's come back as well. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting it to be tough for sure. So I mean, I'm going to go with a tight two-one there. But um, yeah, I think you mentioned Lamina as well. He's he's, a, he's, a, he's clearly an, an, another really talented player. I should just want to preface it that. that Whilst a Liverpool fan has said that he liked a Southampton player, I, I never want to see us go back to. I, I never want to see us try and get another player from you again. Are both on a, a, I, an emotional, moral level, an ethical, level, just 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 anything really. I know we pay you, you know what pay you handsomely. I can for get it, but, on that, Harry. But I just I can't, can get yeah. behind that. I just get me the petition, mate, and I'll yeah. sign it. <laughs> I'm sure they sign it on the forums. Uh, we're not like, we're not that popular uh, there, it seems. But um. Uh, guys, thank you ever so much for, for helping me preview the game. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be an entertaining one this weekend. And um, yeah, to all those who who are listening, thanks so much for um, for spending the time with us. Um, we'll be back after sort of a Champions League break to cover to cover the West Ham game, um, perhaps in the, about a week or so. But yeah, thanks so much for listening, and make sure to check out AI Pro and all the all the great content on there. So uh, yeah, thanks to my guests once again, and uh, yeah. Um, uh, Thanks for listening once again. Sports Social Podcast Network.